The Toby Gribbon Show. Highlights. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Dr. Thomas Gangali holds a bachelor's degree in aerospace engineering, a master's in international relations, and a doctorate in space, cyber, and telecommunications law. And he's also the author of The Martian Almanac, which presents a 669 sol almanac of the coming Martian year. So, good afternoon, or good morning for you, Dr. Thomas. How are you today? I'm doing great, thank you. So, without giving too much away about the book I mean I don't know if it's the type of book that you could spoil anything about just take it from there really because it sounds very interesting well the the structure of it is uh, rather unique as you said it uh, presents uh, the uh, 69 uh, 669 soul year uh, of the Martian year uh, soul by soul and uh, goes back in time to into history to uh, uh, show uh, specific events that occurred uh, on the uh, on that particular anniversary on, mm. e- on each soul. So it encompasses, uh, you know, the uh, publication of science fiction stories and novels, uh, the release of uh, even music that uh, had a Martian theme, uh, as well as uh, important dates in uh, the history of uh, the exploration of planet Mars with uh, yeah. various uh, 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 robotic missions to the planet. Yeah, it's interesting because you. See- robotic missions most of the early human history of mars has happened on earth because we've never actually been to mars yet exactly so we're we're only there are only humans on mars by proxy uh, in the form of uh, uh, various landers and rovers viking mm-hmm. sojourner uh, insight curiosity perseverance and jurong a chinese uh, rover do you think that man will directly go to mars sometime soon I believe that'll occur uh, sometime in the 2030s. That's uh, mm. the uh, the current schedule. Of course, that's dependent on funding. Uh, there have been plans to go to Mars before, and uh, you know, no bucks, no Buck Rogers. If you don't get the funding, you don't get to go. Is that schedule something that is always getting pushed back? I mean, say 20 years ago, would we have said we've already done it by now? <laughs> I, I think as uh, early as uh, the early 1980s, we could have said. We should have done it by now because uh, NASA had a plan in 1969 to uh, send a crew to Mars in the early 80s. Wow. So, yeah, go, the planning for going to Mars is uh, more than half a century old. We're, we always seem to be anywhere from 15 to 30 years away from landing on Mars. Yeah. It, it's kind of like uh, commercial fusion power, you know, where it's always 
20 to 50 years away in the future. It's been that way for 50 years. Well, things have been looking promising recently. This news about the fusion, is that exciting? Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, progress is being made, uh, and progress has always been made. It's just that uh, the future never gets here as fast as we expect it to. You know, the, the, the development time is always uh, underestimated. Yeah. Now, I think it's maybe worth mentioning for people that maybe don't know, a sol is basically just a word for a day on Mars, isn't it? So right. this covers 669 sols. Would I be correct to assume that that's how long a year is on Mars? Yeah. And uh, although we have a uh, a word for sol, which is uh, specific to Mars, because the, uh, the rotation of Mars is slightly slower than Earth. So yeah. uh, a sol lasts 24 hours and just a shade under 40 minutes. Uh, we don't have a specific uh, word for a Martian year. Uh, mm. I propose one. I call it a Mars Rev, which would be one revolution of Mars around the sun. It's a good idea. Why can't we just use the word year and day? Why does it have to be different? Would we just confuse them with the same period of time that we use on air? Well, they are different periods of time, for one thing. And, uh, of course, they, they uh, pertain to two different planets with uh, two different uh, astronomical cycles. So uh, starting in 1960, uh, 1976 with the Voyager missions, uh, Jet Propulsion Laboratory and, and NASA coined the word Sol. So they wouldn't be confused between the, the Martian solar day and the Earth solar day. Now, why they've no one has ever come up with a, uh, an agreed upon word for the Martian year, I don't know. I think that's because the uh, mission controllers uh, pretty much work soul by soul and, and don't plan things out in terms of uh, Martian years. So what made you want to write this book? Well, I, I invented uh, a calendar for Mars in uh, 1985, uh, published an article in the Journal of the British Interplanetary Society mm. in 1986, and uh, I just thought the idea would just uh, stay right there. Uh, I didn't really do uh, anything more with the idea for uh, maybe 15 or 20 years, and then uh, as uh, the web started up, and uh, we were able to connect uh, better with each other around the world, I found that uh, uh, other people were interested in uh, how one would keep time on uh, Mars uh, once we uh, land there, uh, start exploring it, eventually uh, set up bases there, uh, permanent presence, uh, and perhaps even colonization. Yeah. So uh, at this point, about a year or two ago, I uh, thought that perhaps it was time to write an entire uh, book or series of books uh, presenting uh, the timekeeping on Mars. Mars to uh, the general public and get them interested in uh, not only what has gone on uh, around Mars and on Mars in terms of uh, spacecraft and, and rovers, but also uh, what has happened on Earth in terms of the the uh, culture of, uh, of Mars, uh, beginning with uh, early astronomical uh, observations uh, by Christian Huygens, uh, Percival Lowell, uh, Giovanni Schiaparelli, and uh, moving on to, and how that influenced uh, the writings of H.G. Wells and Edgar Rice Burroughs and uh, other science fiction authors. Yeah. So all, all of that I, I present in the book. And who is the book 
for specifically? Is it for anybody that is interested in Mars? And what I really mean is, do you have to be somebody as smart as you with your PhDs and masters to actually understand it? No, um, you might need to know some basic astronomy, and you know things are very simply explained. What what the rotation period of Mars is, how long it takes Mars to go around the sun. But really, anybody who is interested in uh, history and culture uh, specific to Mars will uh, find this book uh, very ex- uh, accessible. I hope. Yeah. How far do you go back in terms of that history? Because generally, when we think of history, we kind of learn about things from the past hundred years or so into the thousands whereas mars it's a little bit longer than that yes true uh the uh babylonians the greeks the romans the egyptians all had their uh their stories about uh the planet mars and the uh, the deity that uh they believed uh, the planet manifested in the sky yeah uh and there were, oh and also india let's not forget uh, uh asian cultures uh so there there are annual festivals that were uh observed in uh, these uh, many cultures uh there were stories about uh, the the deity itself uh, and uh, I uh, reference a little bit of that, but don't uh, dwell too much upon that. Mostly the history of Mars begins with uh, the first uh, astronomical observations beginning in uh, 1610 with uh, Galileo. Is there a specific point where we say the new year has started now? Because on Earth, new year starts on the 1st of January we know where we are. Is there a Martian calendar that tells us the new year has started now? Yes, uh, there, there is a consensus among astronomers that uh, the astronomical year, uh, both on Earth, you know, as as uh, distinct from the the, the civil calendar, yeah. and uh, Mars as well, begins with uh, the vernal equinox, the, the first day of spring. So mm-hmm. uh, I use that uh, in my calendar as well. The first day of spring on Mars in the northern hemisphere uh, begins the uh, calendar year, and that occurred December 25th. So on Christmas, it, uh, it was uh, Christmas on Mars and it was New Year's Day on Earth. Yeah. I mean, on, on uh, just, just the uh, the opposite. It was uh, Christmas <laughs> Day on Earth, but it was New Year's Day on Mars. Yeah. And does that date change every year because uh, Martian year is longer or do we just keep it the same? Uh, no, because the Martian year is young, uh, longer. Uh, the next uh, Martian year won't begin until uh, November of 2024. Wow, that's a long time to wait. Yeah, it's, a, it's approximately 22 and a half months. You know, 669 souls is approximately uh, uh, 600 and, uh, what is it, 687 days, I believe. That's the thing we've got to think about, isn't it? If we, for whatever reason, were to move to Mars as a human race, we'd have to wait so much longer for Christmas and all the fun stuff, wouldn't we? Well, I don't know. That That's a cultural question that is best left to... To, uh, the future uh, people li- living on Mars, uh, how they uh, observe uh, anniversaries on Earth. I don't think that uh, you would want to observe Christmas on Earth and Christmas on Mars at uh, at different times. I think that would yeah. be uh, uh, done simultaneously because, of course, there will be a lot of communication between Earth and Mars. Yes, 
yes, there's a time delay because of the the distance and, and the speed of light. But yeah. uh, Martian culture will still be somewhat connected to Earth culture. Yeah. So uh, a lot of the uh, the things that we bring with us to Mars from Earth, we're, we're going to use on Mars uh, in some ways uh, the way uh, we do on Earth, uh, in some ways differently. And so that's the cultural question that is best left to uh, the future Martians. Yeah. And how long is that delay, by the way, if you're using some kind of radio communication? Because if we were talking to somebody on the sun, for example, ignoring the fact that they'd be burning to death, it would take about eight minutes for the wave to reach them, so it'd be terrible. On Mars, how long would that delay be? I can't give you the the, the uh, specific numbers off the top of my head, but uh, when Mars is close to Earth, the uh, the time delay is probably on the order of uh, four or five minutes. Wow. But uh, there are times when Mars on, and that's just one way, on yeah. the, uh, when Mars is on the other side of the sun for the earth and you know assuming that the sun isn't directly between earth and mars which is blocking out radio waves entirely uh, the time delay could be uh, uh, 20 minutes or so. That's an important point, actually, because we often think of Mars being maybe our closest neighbour because we look at the planets on a list, as in their distance from the sun. We go Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, and so on. But really, surprisingly, Mercury is actually closest to Earth most of the time, right? Yeah, most of the time. Yeah, I, I never thought of it that way, but that's uh, that's correct. So how long did this book take you to? Right. I'd say about uh, two years, and I'm, I've already started on the next uh, book. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
it's in the series. Because I noticed this one is the Martian Almanac 220, Volume 1. So how many volumes do you think you're going to have? Well, if this uh, series is successful, it will outlive me. Someone else will have to do the later volumes. That's an interesting idea. So Volume volume 1 takes us through the the first half of the current Martian year. Uh, volume 2 is already published, and that takes us through uh, uh, the second half of the Martian year. So through, uh, oh, about the middle of uh, November 2024 uh, in Earth terms. Yeah. And then I'm, I'm working on the Martian Almanac for uh, the uh, Mars Rev 221 uh, as we speak. This is a series that can just go on forever, right? Assuming there won't be some yeah. kind of Martian apocalypse. Right. Or an Earth apocalypse. Yes. <laughs> for, you know, in Ray Bradbury's uh, The Martian Chronicles, uh, Mar- Martian colon- colonization came to an abrupt end when there was a nuclear war on Earth. So we, we've got to take, take care of this planet, uh, yeah. either per, uh, avoid a nuclear war or uh, mitigate uh, climate change or any number of things so that we can go on and uh, and uh, establish a, a new world on Mars for ourselves. People always look to Mars as a very good planet to go to if everything went all wrong on Earth, but it's probably not really. I think I'm right in saying it's actually colder than Antarctica. Why would you even want to go there? It is loosely speaking the most habitable planet we know of. And uh, like I say, it's loosely uh, speaking because uh, the temperatures are uh, sub-zero uh, uh, most of the time, either Fahrenheit or Celsius. Uh, the The atmosphere is only uh, uh, about 1% uh, as dense as uh, on Earth. So even if it was pure oxygen, uh, we wouldn't be able to exist there. Our blood would just boil right out of our uh, out of our blood vessels. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that uh, the planet's atmosphere contains very little oxygen. It's mostly carbon dioxide. So uh, I've heard it said that uh, Mars, the atmosphere of Mars is 99% vacuum and 1% toxic. <laughs> but, you know, but we're, we're going to learn to uh, live on the moon. We're going to be sending uh, crews to the moon in the next uh, two or three years and yeah. we'll establish a permanent base there and we'll be, learn to use the, the resources on the moon to uh, create uh, habitable environments, enclosed uh, habitable environments. And uh, we'll uh, take those lessons learned and apply them to uh, the planet Mars uh, a decade or two uh, hence. Yeah. Going to Mars, what kind of provisions does there have to be if it's just a mission there does the astronaut have to wear a lot more protective equipment? Oh, yeah, certainly. Yeah, you, you'll have to wear uh, uh, spacesuits on Mars for the foreseeable future. Uh, people have been talking about uh, terraforming Mars for uh, decades, uh, turning the Martian climate into a more Earth-like one. And uh, God knows we know how to warm up a planet. Yes, but, uh, the time scale, The time scale might be uh, centuries or even you know thousands of years. We, we just don't no, we've never done uh, planetary engineering uh, deliberately on that scale. We're doing yeah. it inadvertently on Earth. And of course, it's, it's been t- taking decades to uh, do what we're doing to uh, Earth. And uh, that's the, simply the byproduct of a very, very large global economy. Yeah, you know, it's, it's billions and billions of people uh, creating uh, this climate change. Uh, on Mars, of course, we're, we're going to be starting out with just a few people. We're, and, uh, and and much less of a, a 
of a uh, of an economic activity that would be geared towards even specifically uh, creating a more Earth-like environment. It would be very expensive. It would be very long-term. And uh, you know, I, I'm skeptical about how how we would finance such a thing to begin with. It would be very expensive. Yeah, a lot of people would argue we've already made such a mess of the planet that we're in. Why would we go and make a mess of another planet? This is whimsical, but I in the mid 1960s in an interview, uh, Werner von Braun said about uh, uh, establishing a, a colony on Mars. He said, uh, "I say we do it quickly and establish a, a, a foothold on a new world while we still have one to take off from." And uh, even uh, Carl Sagan said, "You know, we don't want to keep our eggs all in one basket. Uh, if we want to ensure the survival of humanity, we want to uh, uh, establish uh, a foothold on a new planet in case." something happens to Earth, uh, and it may not even be our doing. Suppose uh, an asteroid hits that's sufficiently large, like the one that uh, uh, ended the uh, the reign of the dinosaurs on Earth. Well, game over, unless, unless we have people on Mars. But who gets to go to Mars? Would it be a very small elite number of people that are put there in the emergency? Because there's no way you'd get 8 billion people to Mars. Yeah, uh, uh, it, the the skill set required on Mars will evolve over the decades. You'll start out with a, a small number of people with uh, you know very highly skilled, probably cross-trained in, in several disciplines. Like you'll, you'll need a phys- uh, physicians, you'll also need uh, uh, medical assistants uh, who are uh, who's uh, primary Primary job is something else, maybe astronomers or uh, engineers or uh, biologists. So this, the skill set will be uh, very specific to begin with. And as we have more people on Mars doing uh, increasingly diverse things, we're going to need, uh, oh God, you know, we're going to need uh, accountants and uh, lawyers, yeah. you know, th- things that we think of on Earth as uh, very mundane things. We're going to need farmers. We're going to have to uh, grow our own food supply on Mars if we're going to have a, a stain, sustainable human presence. And I guess that starts out with uh, uh, the potatoes from uh, the movie uh, The Martian. Yes, certainly. And would we have to bring some animals up in order to eat meat? Or is this in the future? Is nobody going to eat meat anymore? We'll live off the plants. Well, that's a tough call. Um, you know, there, there are b- being strides made in uh, growing uh, meat in a laboratory. Ooh. Uh, you know, and not having a a, a a whole organism like a a cow or a pig or, or whatever, but just uh, uh, growing uh, the muscle tissue that we uh, consume, and that that uh, it may be that by the time we're uh, ready to uh, actually settle people on Mars, uh, we'll have that technology uh, in hand commercially. It, it could be that uh, we'll already uh, be uh, decreasing our uh, dependence on. Uh, on uh, whole animals here on Earth. Well, what else is coming up for you other than the other books in the series? Do you have books planned beyond this? Yes, I do. Uh, I uh, plan to uh, go through all of the uh, science fiction tales that have ever been told about Mars and uh, other books as well to pick out uh, specific words that have been used uh, 
to uh, uh, discuss uh, oh the the language of the fictional Martians or uh, the uh, the various cultures uh, that uh, uh, storytellers told about uh, living on Mars and uh, publish a book a- about uh, that. Come up with a a lexicon a Martian lexicon. And I eventually I I, I want to go, get back to uh, space law and uh, write a book about uh, of the legal aspects of uh, uh, of uh, a sustainable colony on uh, other places in the solar system, not just Mars, but the moon, uh, asteroids, perhaps the uh, uh, some of the uh, moons uh, orbiting Jupiter, like uh, Callisto, which is uh, far enough outside the uh, Jupiter's radiation belt where we, we probably could uh, send an expedition there. But, uh, you know, getting into the legal aspects uh, of, uh, you know, how, how do you own property uh, on these planets? And uh, and what type of uh, legal system would we have for uh, for owning uh, real property on Mars? Would it be uh, as it is on Earth, where you uh, you own it outright, or there are some places in the world where you actually uh, lease the uh, the property from the Crown, and it's actually the Crown that that, that holds the title. Yeah. So uh, things like this need to be uh, hashed out. Uh, uh, also. Uh, what are the uh, the legal uh, aspects of, of uh, modifying the environment? Uh, not just uh, terraforming, but uh, you know, what, what what do you do with the waste material that is inevitably generated by human activity? And uh, what's who has the liability for that? For containing it? For storing it? For converting it? Or whatever? Yeah. Uh, another uh, as- a legal aspect would be: Well, suppose we find indigen- indigenous Martian organisms. Uh, what rights do they have? I mean, they were there first, and uh, we're, we're the Johnny-come-latelys. Uh, do we uh, have a duty to preserve that additional, additional uh, that, that indigenous Martian life? Uh, I, I think we have a, a moral duty to do that, and we also have a, a scientific one, because we're going to need the st- to study that life uh, to figure out what lessons evolution learned in, in, in uh, surviving on, in such a harsh environment. And maybe we can modify Earth organisms so that uh, they have the same uh, characteristics, so that uh, we can uh, uh, better live on Mars. Not necessarily uh, modifying human organisms, but uh, possibly uh, crops. Possibly we could uh, modify uh, crops so that they uh, would gradually become uh, better uh, accustomed to the Martian environment. Uh, for instance, uh, yeah, getting back to uh, the, the film The Martian, uh, the potatoes were grown inside a, a, a pressurized dome, so that was uh, essentially an Earth-like atmosphere. Uh, if you genetically modify organisms, you could, over time, uh, lessen the, the the Earth-like nature of that uh, enclosed environment and make it more Mars-like. This would reduce your costs, of course, because you, you're spending less energy uh, creating a specifically Earth-like environment for your crops and uh, and letting Mars do, the Martian environment, do more of the work for you. And then, of course, there's the ultimate question of, is there sentient life out there? And if, if, if we meet sentient life, number one, how would we recognize that it was sentient? Number two, uh, how how legally would we confer personhood on them, and therefore uh, specific uh, rights? That's a very very interesting question. Yeah. Well, where are we able to find your book, The Martian Almanac Two Twenty Volume One? 
Okay. Uh, right now, it's uh, it's on Amazon. It's available uh, in uh, hardcover, uh, paperback, and Kindle. Uh, it's also going to be on uh, Barnes and Noble and uh, Google Books and uh, several other uh, online outlets. Well, many thanks for talking to us today. It's been great to have you on the show. Okay. Well, thank you. I've enjoyed it immensely. Subtle results, still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Una Chaplin, and I'm the host of a new podcast called Hollywood Exiles. It tells the story of how my grandfather, Charlie Chaplin, and many others were caught up in a campaign to root out communism in Hollywood. It's a story of glamour and scandal and political intrigue and a battle for the soul of a nation. Hollywood Exiles from CBC Podcasts and the BBC World Service. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com The throbbing pulse of sound, the Toby Gribben Show.